Welcome to another installment of Engineering Money, the podcast where some full-time engineers give their two cents on the financial news of the week. I'm Ben, a civil engineer out here in Washington State. And I'm Joey, a food products engineer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's good to have you back, Joey. Um, you were at a wedding last week. It's true. It now, was it was a, a great exposition of face mask wearing for a good celebration. <laughs> Nice. And then now this week we're missing Tim. He is being reckless traveling. Um, But yeah, we'll get him back here for next week. So we got a few things to talk about today. Um, First off, Joey, do you have any uh, anything you want to highlight from last week in particular? Uh, Last week, not not so much. I've got a few uh, things that I've been keeping my eye on over the course of last week so i'll get to those when we we get to predictions sure for my week i made one super cool call i debated talking about it last week on the podcast but um the ford bronco conversation uh trumped that a little bit i guess in my mind uh one thing i invested in was toll brothers the uh residential real estate company And oh my gosh, they had such an amazing week this past week. Um, And my my mentality going into that trade was how with people working from home more and more companies deciding to make permanent work from home just the way that they're going to do business now, people are going to be putting more stake into... uh, the home that they're getting like the idea of having a home office that will no longer be just kind of like a cool bonus it it's sort of now coming to a point where it's a necessity oh, to yeah. exist um so i thought you know what i'll put a pos- i'll put a few positions in for toll brothers uh thinking long term uh it's already starting to pay off i'm still feeling pretty good about it nice that was the, yeah, that was I, my I, big thing from last week i, I my feeling on that would have just been like, okay, I know real estate's kind of a, a hop in market right now, and I, your logic makes sense for long-term play, but was there any reason you saw, like, what's with the the weekly bounce? That's just, a great just good question. Fortune? <laughs> I think it was just good fortune. Um, yeah, because they, they didn't have an earnings or anything last week. Uh, they just, yeah, their five-day... They went from uh, 34, almost 35, and now they're at 37. So pretty good five-day gain. Um, All right. And obviously, you know, the gospel, Yahoo Finance. Of course. <laughs> told me that it's undervalued and that it's it's got bullish patterns for short, mid, and long term. So... You gotta listen to the gospel. I mean, it, it, it's Yahoo <laughs> with a name like Yahoo. You know they're smart. That's right. Oh, and then the other big thing that happened last week, Joey. You probably know a little bit more than me on how the actual inner workings uh, sort of flesh out with your biomed degree, but uh, there's a huge contract for Pfizer. Mm, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, please Huge. continue. 
oh my gosh, the government basically uh, have a contract now with Pfizer and then they're partnering. There's a smaller, it's like bio and tech. Yeah. Yeah, bio and tech. Um, they've partnered together for the COVID vaccine. The government has contracted, uh, I want to say the number was somewhere around like 600 million <laughs> vaccines. Yeah, big into Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's thing- like when they 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 deliver their first 100 million to the government and they get their full payout and it was like 1.2 billion dollars or something um and then yeah they're contracted for however much more it was like 500 million more vaccines after that um and then it'll be free to the American public yeah so that's kind of their big supplier right now for for Pfizer's development so that made Pfizer and BioNTech shoot up yeah I gotta think it's it's really good for BioNTech being you know oh yeah the smaller of the two that's gaining from this because yeah every you know Pfizer's a giant Pfizer is one that for a long time I've felt is kind of a hold forever type of stock just because of their you know longevity they've existed for forever they're huge they they give a dividend and they've put such a focus on research, finding out what's going to happen next. And so I just feel like I feel good investing in Pfizer. That's that's one I've always held as a as a good money maker. Oh, yeah. But oh, cool. oh, there is one thing that I because I think this happened would have been the week that I was gone. Um, Bloom Energy, B.E. shot up. That was one that I think a couple weeks ago I was talking about. They had, were about to hit the point where they were back to before the COVID crash. And as I predicted, big stuff happened. They <laughs> shot up. So I'm super yeah. excited that I called that one. Um, and now I'm I'm just hoping that they get in the public eye from, from shooting yeah. up like that. I, th- I think now more than ever a stock's price movement will give the company a lot more noise and because just everyone's looking at that you know it's just like our our story with genius brands like everyone's just having fun day trading with them it's like hertz (laughs) going bankrupt and still getting traded all over the place it's just because everyone's stuck inside sports betting is canceled because sports are canceled they gotta find something else to do but yeah and it's right in that like super nice price point where it's right now it's sitting at uh 1691 bucks a share it's like right in that sweet spot where you could like a casual person in their 20s that has a few hundred to a thousand bucks in a robin hood account it's right that comfortable level where you could put on a few positions of it you can't underestimate the power of all those young millennials now that have their Robinhood accounts because they do make plays. Investing has become easy and that's that's a price point that's easy to invest in. Oh yeah. Well cool. Um, getting into next week here, we got a bunch more earnings. We have on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday between 200 to 300 companies reporting each day um, so huge for day traders looking to find stocks that'll be, you know, operating outside the usual market movements. 
Um, Monday, there's not anything too, too interesting. But on Tuesday, we got some big ones, uh, 3M, uh, AMD, the, the chip company, Bloom Energy, what we were just saying. They're reporting oh, yeah. on Tuesday. Cummins, uh, Starbucks. I, I'm going to be interested to see their earnings because so I'm, I'm here in Seattle where they're headquartered. And there's been over the past month or so sort of a massive... Uh, campaign among the population we, we see it all over the place when we're walking around the city people have started like putting up posters um, denouncing Starbucks and mm. saying that they're you know they're an evil corporation and um, they've been a huge victim to the more violent prone protesters uh, lots of them getting just completely trashed there's one right by where I live that got set on fire and everything stolen outside of it so oh I, my gosh i'll be interested to see if they like say anything about this since right. they are headquartered here and their leadership sees this stuff and they're about to have a like public statement to everyone it, it would be a time to address something maybe yeah um and then the other huge one that we were also just mentioning uh pfizer reporting earnings on tuesday this is gonna be an exciting week then i know it's <laughs> it's very big it's gonna be a huge week yeah um wednesday we got another healthcare player anthem they're more like uh, insurance though uh but mm -hmm. they're a huge company reporting earnings we got boeing which is another seattle-based uh facebook and shopify so we get some tech companies in the loop there um, Thursday, we got the biggest Seattle one, Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, Eli Lilly, we've talked about them a few times on this podcast. Ford that I was just mentioning last week with the Bronco. I bet they strategically did that announcement for the Bronco. Um, like a week before their earnings to see how people react to that. And it'll they were guessing it'll be positive and it was so that makes sense um that'll be good for them uh gilead sciences so the other big uh big 19 yeah. player and then it's sort of small or interesting company that i will be talking about later for my predictions part here uh the ticker is ftai it uh the company name is Fortress Transportation and Infrastructure Investors, LLC. Hmm. And what do they do? That'll be fun. So they uh, are basically, they acquire infrastructure equipment and just, I guess, they invest in infrastructure itself um, and they like rent out equipment. They invest in infrastructure developments and then their company is really geared towards paying dividends out to investors oh, okay and they'll i'll get into it in a, a little bit later but it was but, an interesting find yeah but before we move on uh, from that i want i want to talk a little bit more about ford because it's just i've just oh, been yeah. thinking yeah 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 um what, what do you think about their dividend because they they suspended their dividend at the beginning of this whole covid crash because they were really suffering from it um 
And what do you think? How long until that comes back? Does it ever come back? Does that make Ford as weak as investors seem to think it does because of how the stock price crashed? What's your opinion on that? I mean, I, I thought it was coming for a while. Over the past few years, they have done nothing but disappoint and lose money and make bad decision after bad decision. Um, it will take some serious overhaul of the company. Like, the the Bronco that they released is, I think, maybe a step in the right direction. They're looking to the consumer and seeing how they react and what they want, um, sort of changing up a little bit. Um, but yeah, they just, they don't make enough money and they're too big where they need to take in so much cash. They, they make so much money in revenue. They're making like over $140 billion every quarter or I'm sorry, every year but they can't make money. Mm-hmm. They're just such a bloated company. They've been bleeding dry for at least five years now, and it's at a point now where there's none left. There's nothing left over to use it as an incentive to the investor to, hey, keep my share. Come on, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it'll take a really long time. I think I think uh, it's tough, but honestly, I am hopeful, just because I think they've been slaughtered out here as far as investors on on their stock price goes, and I think slashing their dividend, for example, to zero, <laughs> is a step that they needed to take. They probably should have done it sooner. People were investing in them because they were on the list of like the highest dividend yields, and that's why they got a bunch of investors then they slashed and they went away but i think that ford is a company that can probably last i guess what i mean by that is i don't think this is where they go bankrupt mm -hmm. and yeah if they can i agree with get that. back on their feet then then their dividend will eventually come back and it, the thing about dividends is if if they're giving out the dividend it's like yeah you get that money but also they don't have the money anymore so it's like in theory the stock's value should go down equal to the dividend amount it's just like a guarantee instead of relying entirely on the speculation but anyway that's yeah i, th I think ford's in a tough place but i'm hopeful in the long term for them i think they can do it just the fact that they have been open to things like making an electric f-150 a lot oh, sooner yeah. mm -hmm. than some other major car manufacturers. I think they, they're they doing the right thing. Nice. But, oh. Very cool. Oh, are, we're, because still coming out Thursday, I want to mention the, the oh, company yeah. I want to mm -hmm. talk about, an IPO for Vital Farms, Inc. The stock ticker is going to be V-I-T-L, Vital. They sell eggs, and they're going public <laughs> Thursday. It's going to be it's it's an EPO egg public offering. Vital egg. But I, I, I wanted to throw throw that out there. I'll talk about it more. But is, is there any um, any Friday news coming out you wanted to mention first? Uh, yeah, just a few, or really just one. Um, the earnings drop out really on Friday. 
as usual, not very many reporting, but AbbVie, oh, the, okay. la- the last big biotech that's working on COVID stuff, at least that's reporting this week. Um, they're reporting on Friday. Um, so big movements, probably. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's that's all I got as far as the news for this next week. So, yeah, why don't you jump into your prediction here with Vital Farms? Yeah, absolutely. So this is one that (laughs) I I just got the notification a a few days ago that's like, hey, IPO is coming out uh, at Vital Farms. And the thing is, for a while, the IPOs this, like, quarter have all been biotech. And I guess a lot of companies are, like, people's minds are on biotech with vaccines and everything. Let's go public right now. Uh, and I just stay away from those because biotech startups tend to be, or startups or IPOs, uh, the, it's just crazy. Like you never know what they're going to do next, and I I feel like they're just not investment grade <laughs> stocks. They're they're too wild. But but then I see this, and it's it, it they sell eggs. They they have <laughs> farms that make eggs and then like you can't get more down to earth than this in a time when the the stock markets have been raving about virgin galactic and and tesla and and all this like high concepts future futuristic stuff i feel like we need a return to earth and (laughs) for me it's vital farms (laughs) The, the the big uh the big business play for them like their their value statement is they sell uh pasture raised eggs that like you probably heard of cage free eggs or like free range chickens um but apparently those mean different things like there's different requirements to have those and it can be like a cage free chicken technically needs like one square foot per chicken and then it's counted as cage free but for pasture raised, mm-hmm. it needs 120 or 108, I think it was 108 square feet per chicken. So like big difference. Basically, like if you imagine chickens living out in the field, that's what pasture raised actually is. And I was shocked to see how like stable this company looks um, over the past years. They they were founded I think in in 2007, and yeah. like they are making consistent profits, consistently growing. And they, they've been doing this for years. And they're sold at like the, the largest supermarkets in the country, Walmart and Kroger. Uh, they started at Whole Foods, which makes sense. But like, there is clearly an appeal for this type of thing that to me sounded like a total niche product. Like they sell a dozen eggs for $6. It's 50 cents an egg. And I don't know if our listeners buy eggs very often, but they're not normally $6 a dozen. <laughs> These guys are, wow. and apparently they they do pretty well. So I, I just think it's it's a exciting new kind of kind of thing to look at because eggs are kind of a commodity and they're turning them into a value added product. So I I might try to participate in that IPO. They, they are targeting a $16 share price. Very cool. The first thing I look at, well, not the very first, but one of the first things I, I look at um, for newer companies is the leadership. Mm-hmm. 
and I, and I just went to their leadership page and you know it's got to be good because the current president and CEO of Vital Farms worked for the CIA before, Ooh. <laughs> before nice. coming to Vital Farms so <laughs> yeah and I know that oh their CEO was like more recently hired like they started out as just a family company doing this type of yeah. stuff and then they hired this guy on as CEO to really make the company big and I think it was in 2017 and since that that's when you've seen this like consistent profit growth and consistent it's growing on top and bottom line but I, I think it's cool I think they're also majority wow. women led which is I think great because yeah so I, I see uh, on on the list here it's like I'd I'm going to butcher the first name, but Miss Gilman uh, is the vice president of talent and culture. That's the only woman I see on this leadership page. But I do see Matt O'Hare, who's the guy that started it. He is also the founder and former president of the Organic Egg Farmers of America. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> wow. That's good stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those IPOs that I think, like, I hadn't heard of it before, but it feels like the company's already has a presence as a brand. People know about it, um, mm -hmm. which you don't always get. A lot of times these IPOs are like, who? What, what is this supposed to be? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it makes it feel like less of a risky play. One thing that, you know, I, I feel like I got to be impartial to them um one thing is they they are a I forget the term for it but basically they don't consider their shareholders like the only stakeholders in their company and so they mark as one of their like levels of risk in their ipo is that because they see like caring for the environment and their local communities as a main goal for them it may not reflect in their stock price which mm. I think is cool. I think it's nice to invest in socially environmentally conscious companies, but I, I don't know what it would mean for an IPO. I don't have enough experience in that. Interesting. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm excited for Thursday now. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm especially. I'm just excited to see whether I decide to actually try and participate in the IPO or not to see yeah. what the price comes out at because it's they're estimating between 15 and 17 dollars a share hmm. which I think is it's you know like we said that's it's like totally investable numbers yeah very cool um, any any other predictions or updates you got uh, so is that it that that's I mean that's the real prediction I have. I also want to put a note in about what, you know, we mentioned some vaccine companies having their earnings coming out. And one thing that I've just been thinking about and, and trying to do some research on is the distribution of vaccines. And mm. that what I, what I mean by that is I think a lot of people are looking at a company like Pfizer that says we have x months until the vaccine is developed and it's like all right that's it the vaccine is going to be developed we're going to get this COVID thing under control but 
to, like, A, there's all this regulatory stuff that has to go through. Hopefully this government contract helps skip some of that red tape, get this vaccine into mass production. The second part of it, though, is that mass production. Because, like, a vaccine isn't a cookie-cutter product that everyone's already making at factories. You essentially have to build a factory, or at least a line in a factory, to make this specific vaccine. I know of several weeks ago, we were talking about the different types of vaccines that different companies are making. Each one of those would need a different manufacturing line. And so mm. what I've been thinking about is like, okay, what companies are poised to profit from the government scrambling and saying, okay, the vaccine is here. How do we get it to 300 million people? The I think the tough thing that I found in my little bit of research is a lot of these companies that like all they do is manufacture pharmaceuticals or similar products are they're not publicly traded and the biggest ones that are publicly traded are of course johnson johnson pfizer i think merck is in there um but i think it's an interesting thing to think about and i want to find a way to kind of invest on this opportunity but i'm not sure what to do yet hmm because I'm not a private equity firm, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, interesting. But yeah, that's um, what I got. Cool. Well, so I mentioned it a little bit ago. Um, when I was doing my research for this episode, I found Fortress Transportation and Infrastructure Investors, LLC. I wanted to do some digging because I... I don't really have anything in my portfolio right now that is specifically um, like about infrastructure or companies that develop our nation's infrastructure. Right. And I feel like that's an important thing to put in there. Like my long term view is that, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, Eisenhower come in with the huge uh, highway system right in America, but there since that project and it took decades. Like the I think the last section of highway that was planned was finished pretty recently, actually, uh, in the last like twenty years or so. Wow, it's um, a long government project. <laughs> Long government. Pro well, it was stitching the nation together. Yeah, I mean that's it's really it's is crazy to think place. about it. I mean, <laughs> you look at a map, look at all the interstates on it. Imagine if those just weren't there. Let's build yeah. them. Yeah, um, yeah, but a lot of that infrastructure is very old now it's and so definitely past its extended or its intended lifetime. If anyone's uh, driven and on a road, <laughs> you'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I am definitely bullish on companies that go out and repair and replace pieces of infrastructure of any kind, like pipes or railroads or airports or highways, all that sort of stuff. And I want to find more companies that do things like that, but a lot of them are private. Yeah. So there's this one here, FTAI. They... Right now, if you look on their company website, their portfolio, it's basically there's 65% of it is equipment that they own, and it's 
commercial air aircrafts, uh, a bunch of engines for aircrafts, um, and they lease that to different companies, I guess. Um, and then the 30-something else percentage is they own rail yards. Oh. So kind of specific, very specific pieces of infrastructure. Um, but their big thing on their company website, and th this is what gets me excited, is they are very... Um, they, they view the dividend as a very important part of their uh, output as a company. I know you're excited about dividends, cool. Ben. I <laughs> love dividends. And if you, yeah, so their annual dividend is like almost 9% right now. Wow. Based on their current price. And um, yeah, it's, if you look, earnings per share for for the year, last year, it's two point six dollars per share, and their dividend is one point three. So they're paying out as a dividend basically half of their profits. Wow! And they've held that dividend steady since uh, I'm able to see on the charts. Um, so very cool. And I look to their leadership page and see who's in charge and the the person that's in charge of it has an engineering degree neat which is pretty cool what, what's yeah. the ticker on this again f f t a i so i don't know if this is really a good time to get into this company um the gospel yahoo finance says it's overvalued um, but it also shows short and midterm bullish patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, and because over half of their investments are in aviation equipment. Oh, well that, that, that could, yeah. that could be bad for COVID. So I've, I've definitely added this to my watch list. I thought it was an interesting company and I'll be looking to see over the next few months, what what happens to it yeah um, and maybe see a good entry point for it well holy cow that is impressive at a nine percent dividend their 12 month trailing payout ratio is only 75 percent it's of earnings 75 yeah. percent nor i feel like companies up at this range normally have like 200 percent of their earnings right. are in dividends wow yeah i think it's that's healthy they, that's they, nice they have very little overhead like their whole thing is hey we want to lease this equipment but we don't want to have a bunch of employees we don't want to have a big office space we just want to be able to give a good payout and it looks like from from leasing this equipment based on their their dividend growth it never grows they are saying we are going to give you nine percent of what you invested in dividends guaranteed no matter what every year yeah and i mean that's that's hard to argue with. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm putting that the one on other... my watch list right now. Nice. Heck yeah. The one other thing I wanted to mention as well, <clears throat> I mentioned it probably a few months back, 
I was talking about the gold to silver ratio, mm. uh, or the gold to silver price ratio. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and how you can kind of use that as an indicator for you know what is overvalued between those two precious metals. And for the longest time, the gold has been so much higher valued relative to silver. Mm. With that, with that indi- indicator, like if you did gold divided by silver, it's been much higher than historically the case. Um, and sure enough, this week, I had an amazing week with my silver. If you look at the, the five-day gain uh, through the weekend, I guess, um, we're sitting at 18% gain over the past week. Oh, gold only had they were they were up a lot they were up six percent but silver outperformed by three times that and i think that has to do with that ratio yeah kind of self-correcting back right that mean reversion because i mean it, may, yep. it makes because we've been talking about gold going up and that buoying things like kirkland like gold that we like so much uh but it's all on the idea that you know they're printing money out there, so relative to the dollar, gold is now more valuable. But it seems oh, yeah. like silver was not getting as much heat, but the same logic applies for silver, so... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I'm going to track on. Gold to silver ratio, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I love cool. see, seeing things like related... Uh, stocks or materials or whatever you're looking at and seeing two related things and tracking how how they measure up and you know I think I've told you like at the strategy I like to find two similar companies buy one short the other uh, oh, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. a good way to do that is just like look at the ratio of their um, their price to earnings ratios to kind of give you an idea of how over or undervalued they are and see how they compare and then if the gap widens enough, it's a good time to buy one and sell the other. And yep. it, it, it's nice because that works no matter what the rest of the market is doing. It's a, it's a nice Precisely. hedge strategy. Yep. Yeah, well, I'm really yeah, excited I'm... for this week now, Ben. I know, me too. Too bad Tim couldn't participate. Yeah, I think we're going to have a fun <laughs> discussion next week about everything that happens. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of reflection. All right, cool. Um, Well, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, Don't forget to join our Discord. Link will be in the description below. And I hope everybody has a prosperous week. Mm